0: All right, so we're in Joshua chapter four tonight, Joshua chapter four, and just as a reminder, even though this book is several thousand years old, it is so relevant to us today because this book gives us principles by which we can gain new territory with God. That the whole book of Joshua is about entering into the promised land and and taking possession of what God wants us to take possession of. That it's out there for us, but it's our responsibility to to get out there and and, and obey the Lord and trust the Lord and have faith in Him to be able to capture all that God has for us. And so, again, the principles are just so relevant to our walk with God and taking our walk with God to a higher level. Which is why for the last couple of weeks we were talking about them crossing the Jordan. And that the Jordan River illustrates that obstacle in our life that is standing right in front of us. That's preventing us from, in a sense, getting to the other side and going further with God. And we've talked about what is that Jordan River in your life right now. What is it that God wants you to trust Him in to allow you to be able to cross over? to the other side. God, God isn't going to always remove those obstacles. He's not always going to take us around those obstacles. Many times he wants to take us through those obstacles because it's in doing that, that we understand more about what God can do through us and who he really is and how strong he is and, and all of that. And that's why he takes us through. And so that was the major thing. And, We learned a couple weeks ago that at the end of chapter 3, the entire nation got on the other side. Two million people crossed the Jordan River at flood stage because of a miracle of God that he stopped the water from flowing, and the people had enough faith to get in there and to go across. So now we come to chapter 4. And chapter 4 primarily is about two things. It's about remembering, and it's about ascending remembering and ascending. So keep that in mind as we go down through here tonight. So let's begin in chapter 4, verse 1. When the entire nation was on the other side. First of all, obviously there are times where God just wants to work individually with us to get us to cross something in our lives. But there are other times where God wants to take a group of people, maybe a local church or, or even a smaller group than that, A women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, a a small group, whatever. And he wants to take that group together across something. And there's something about the dynamic of not only when God is working with us, but when God is working with all of us together in unison and and where we can do something together in a sense as a unit, as a team. And, And that's what this was illustrating as well. That the entire nation at this point was unified under the leadership of Joshua and obviously God. And they were able to accomplish things together. And so remember that when it talks about the entire nation. In fact, that was even a promise from God to the nation is I will make sure every one of you gets across. Not one of you will be left behind. And that's exactly what happened here in Joshua chapter 4. The other thing is, when the Bible talks about getting to the other side, those words in the Hebrew talk about completing or finishing the task. Getting to that place where we're finished at that point. Now, not that we're ever finished, but that we've crossed over and we've at least gained victory and, and, and we've completed that particular task. And that just reminds me that God is in the business of finishing with us what He started, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And God calls us to finish things and complete things. God doesn't want us to get involved with something and, and get halfway through it. He wants us to complete it in full. That's why Jesus even gave the parable of, you know, make sure before you, you, you enter into something that you count the cost and that you make sure that you have what you need to finish Because God is a finisher and he wants his people to be finishers as well. And we see that illustrated with them getting to the other side. And then the Lord told Joshua, select for yourselves 12 men from the people, one per tribe. Now, obviously, he's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel in the Hebrew. This word for tribe can obviously mean, in a sense, branches of, of a family. But another very interesting aspect of this word is it also means scepter. And what it reminds us of is that God calls us to rule and reign. That has always been his plan for humanity. When he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them dominion and he wanted them to rule and reign. One of the things that the Bible teaches us that is going to come in the future is that we're going to be part of Christ's kingdom. And as part of that kingdom, he is saying, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And part of the reason why it's so important how we live down here on this earth now, how faithful we are, is because that's going to determine our role of ruling and reigning in Christ's future kingdom. God made his people, created in his image, to rule and reign. And even now, God wants us to rule and reign over things rather than having them rule over us. The only thing in our lives that should be ruling over us is God himself. And with God, then, we can, we can reign over other things. Rather than them being in control of us, we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be in control of them. Because that's what He created us to do. And we're reminded of that even here. That's part of the reason why God wanted His people to go into the promised land. Because he wanted them to to entrust them with this land flowing with milk and honey. And he wanted them to be a light to the world. And he wanted them to experience life on this earth even to its fullest. And then God tells Joshua, instruct them. Pick up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan. From the very place where the priests stand firmly. And carry them over with you and put them in the place where you camp tonight. Now they've already crossed. But God said, I want you to send 12 men back into that Jordan before I overflow it once again. And I want them to pick up 12 stones, literally in the Hebrew, to carry away from here those 12 stones. And and the thing that, as I studied this, what, what God was impressing upon me is that when God does things like take us over the Jordan rivers of our life, He wants us to carry from that experience something with us that will last. He doesn't want us to forget what he did through us and with us at that moment in our lives, which is the whole reason why chapter 4 is all about remembering what God did. Not that we're stuck in the past, not that we live in the past, but that we use the victories and the ways God has worked in our life in the past to be fuel for our faith, to trust him in even greater ways in the future. And that's exactly why God was telling them to do this. Do you and I carry away from life's experiences what God wants us to? That's a very important principle. Whether it's victories or defeats or failures or doing things well. God always wants us to carry away from those experiences something that will help us if you will, enable us to do greater things in the future. And that's exactly what is implied here. The other thing I want to point out is, when God said, I want them to go into the very place where the priests stand firmly, those words in the Hebrew are military terms. It's the idea of troops, in a sense, standing their guard, if you will. And, And in a sense... What what they were doing here was a fight of faith. It was believing in God and trusting in God to go into that river at flood stage. And remember, the Jordan means descender. All the snow from all the mountains and all the moisture would flow into this part of the Jordan. And especially at springtime and, and at flood stage, it was roaring. It was raging. And God said, I'm not taking you over this Jordan when everything's calm. I'm not taking you over this Jordan whenever there's just a few drops of water. I'm taking you over this Jordan at flood stage because I want you to see. I want you to perceive. I want you to know that I can take you across these obstacles you face when they are at their strongest because nothing is stronger than me. And I don't know what that obstacle is in your life right now. I don't know what that thing or... or. That situation or that sin or that relationship or whatever it is, it's standing in your way from moving forward with God. But whatever it is, you and I have to be reminded here in the book of Joshua that God is greater and stronger than anything and He can take us across and He can help us to gain victory. We just have to trust and believe. And we have to take our stand, if you will, as the priest did, on the Word of God. And nothing else. So verse 4, Joshua summoned the 12 men. He had appointed from the Israelites. By the way, the word appointed, very interesting. This didn't just mean that Joshua just went down and went like every 20 men. and Okay, you, you, you. The word means that these men had been prepared beforehand. In other words, Joshua picked men who had been proven. Men who had displayed a spiritual stability in their life. So that they, in a sense also, not only the stones eventually, but even the men that would take the stones out of the riverbed were symbolic, if you will, of the stability and the security that God wants our lives to have. And so he appointed from the Israelites one per tribe. Verse 5, Joshua told them, Go in front of the ark of the Lord your God to the middle of the Jordan, each of you is to put a stone on his shoulder. Literally, to lift up on high, on your shoulder, a stone. Which obviously means they weren't to go into the Jordan and pick out a little pebble. <laughs> they were to pick out a significant-sized stone in order to lift it and put it on their shoulder and carry it out of the Jordan River. According to the number of the Israelite tribes. And the stones will be a reminder To you, a reminder, a visible reminder. This was a common method in biblical times of preserving the memory of important events. And again, not not to get stuck in the past, not not to live in the past, but to use what God has done in my life in the past to fuel my faith to trust Him for greater things. So one of the things God spoke to me about was this, Jeff, what practically are you doing ongoing in your life as a Christian to remember what I've been doing in your life so that the things that I have done in the past will be inspiration, motivation for you, Jeff, to do greater things, to trust me for greater things, to move forward in your life. Too often, we forget. It's part of the reason why Jesus implemented the Lord's Supper, the communion that we observed on Sunday. He said, "Do this in remembrance of me. Never forget what I did, and that that should be an ongoing encouragement and inspiration for your life. Well, the same thing is true here. These standing stones, if you would, will were always to be a reminder about what God did here so that they would never forget what God did through them and in them and with them so that when they had to trust Him for other things on down the road, they could look back and go, well, God brought me through that. He brought me through the Jordan at flood stage, so can He bring me through this now? And so again, I just I emphasize that tonight because that's, that's the primary emphasis of the first part of this chapter remembering and again the challenge from God to Jeff Royce was Jeff do you have some system if you will in your life whether you write it down whether you make some kind of of conscious effort to remember the things that I as God have done in your life especially the significant things in fact when we started this church one of the things that we started to do was just to write down what we thought were just all the miracles that God did to even make this, the Oasis, possible. So that we would look back one day and not forget all the things that God did. Because there may come a time in the future where we need to be reminded of what God did even to get this started To encourage us and inspire us. And and God wants that to be true in all of our lives. So that's what was happening here. And then the Bible says, the stones will not only be a reminder to you, but when your children ask someday, inquire, why are these stones important to you? Verse 7, tell them how the water of the Jordan stopped. I want to stop there. That word is a very interesting word. When God stopped the water, the word in the Hebrew is literally, He cut it off. He cut it. And it's the same word in the Hebrew that's used for covenant making. You see, in the Old Testament, many times when a covenant was made between two individuals, two groups of people, or even sometimes God and man, uh, uh, an animal was used and it was cut in two. And and by cutting, it was called cutting a covenant. It it was symbolic of the covenant or the agreement or the pledge that was being made. And so even here, God is, in a sense, I think, reminding them that the, the reason why all this was possible was because I am a God of covenant. I am a God who keeps my promises. I am a God who keeps my pledges. In fact, that's why we're going to see here in a moment. That's why the Ark of the Covenant was the central you know, uh, force, if you will, of this whole thing because the Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence with His people. And even calling it the Ark of the Covenant meant that God had made promises and pledges to His people and He was going to follow through with every one of them. Not one of them was going to fail. And so it's very interesting to me that when The Bible even talks about the Jordan River stopping or being cut. It was all because God had promised. I'll take care of you. I'll bring you into the land. In fact, it's very interesting that in the book of Exodus, there's this line out of the book of Exodus where God says to his people, I have brought you out, meaning out of Egypt, out of slavery. I have delivered you. I brought you out so that I could bring you in. That's a great picture of the Christian life. God didn't just save us and give us new life with Christ just so we could live however we want to, live for ourselves. God brought us out of our old life of sin and self and all of that to a new life with Christ. It's what baptism symbolizes. We go down into the water, dying to self, and we're brought up out of the water to a new life in and with Christ. And God never wants our life to be the same. And He brought us out so that He could bring us in. And God has this great in for every one of us. This great future, this great plan, this great purpose for why He brought us out. He didn't just bring Paul out because He had a plan for Paul. He didn't just bring Peter out of his old life because He he brought all of us out because He's got something He wants us to do and to be a part of. So remember, when God brings you and I out of something, it's so that He can bring us into something else. That's why God wants us to cross our Jordans. Because that's not the end in itself. Crossing the Jordan only means now uh, an entrance into a whole new life. In fact, I'm sort of getting ahead of myself, but the reason why Jericho had to be the first city that was conquered after they crossed the Jordan was because Jericho sat in a sense, at the bottom of the ascent into the mountains where Ai and the other cities were. And if they wanted to go up, if they wanted to ascend, they had to get by Jericho to go up. And God wants all of us to go higher. Picture your Christian life as, in a sense, climbing a mountain. And God keeps saying to all of us, I want you to come up higher. I've got more and more to show you. I've got more and more for you to experience. And the only way we can experience is to be able to start ascending. But sometimes in order to ascend, we've got to to fight some battles and overcome some obstacles down here. And we're going to continue to have to fight battles even as we ascend. But sometimes it's even those things that are right there in front of us right now that even keep us from ascending at all. That's why Jericho was the first city. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So I better get back to it. Time is getting away. So... How the water of the Jordan, verse 7, stopped flowing before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the water of the Jordan stopped flowing. These stones will be a lasting memorial for the Israelites, a lasting record, a lasting reminder. And I believe this first memorial is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Verse 8. The Israelites did just as Joshua commanded. They picked up 12 stones according to the number of the Israelite tribes from the middle of the Jordan as the Lord had instructed Joshua. They carried them over with them to the camp and put them there. Now, I'm going to point this out even before I read verse 9. Because if you're here tonight and you're reading from an NIV translation, which there's nothing wrong with the NIV, okay? But there is a discrepancy between my translation, the net, and the NIV as to the meaning of verse 9. If you have an NIV, it sounds like, the translation is, that Joshua, it's just a repeat of Joshua going into the middle of the river and taking the stones out and erecting the same one memorial. But listen to what it says in the net translation in verse 9. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, in the very place where the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood. They remained there to this very day. Now again, a little bit of a discrepancy in a translation. My translation is basically saying there are two memorials. There was one memorial set up on the side of the bank of the Jordan, but there's another memorial that Joshua set up himself in the middle of the Jordan before God overflowed it. And as I've studied this, again, the NIV is a very good translation. But I think this is one time where I would have to lean towards the net translation as i've studied this in the hebrew i think the correct way to have translated the hebrew is that there are two memorials being set up here not one not one why two memorials why one on the side of the bank why another one in the middle of the river when nobody can even see that one you see well a couple reasons One, again, I think that this is a great picture of baptism. Where we are into the water, if you will, and then we come up out of the water. So the one memorial is sort of symbolic of us going down into the water, the other one coming up out of the water. I think the first memorial is a picture of the faithfulness of God. I think the second memorial, if it does exist... And those 12 stones are still somewhere there in the Jordan River. River is a picture of the faith of God's people. Because you and I can't really see faith visibly. We can see the evidence of faith. We can see the effects of faith, which was to go into the Jordan River because God said it'll be okay. But you and I can't physically see the essence, if you will, of faith. We see its effects. And so maybe that's another reason why this second memorial was given. Now Again, I'm not going to debate anyone over this. It's it's not something I'm going to be dogmatic about, but it is interesting I needed to point that out. Because if you have an NIV, you're reading that going, I don't see two memorials, I only see one. So let's move on. I don't want to get stuck there. Verse 10. Now the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything... The Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people was accomplished. Again, I want to point out that the word standing in the middle is a word in is, is words in the Hebrew that mean holding our ground. Or this is a cool, especially based on Sunday's messages, enduring. It's a word for endurance in the Hebrew. Holding our ground within the commotion. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to learn by faith, to step with Him by faith into the middle of our Jordan River. Whatever that is. And rest in Him. And, and, and realize that with all this stuff going on around us, I, I can still be at peace. And I, I can still have my composure and I can still be calm. Again, because I'm trusting in the Lord who's in control. And I'm holding firmly to him and to his word. We all need to learn to do that throughout our lives. It's one of the ways we get across our Jordan rivers. And then the Bible says, in accordance with all that Moses had commanded Joshua, so verse 10, the people went across quickly. Now, now some people think that that word quickly meant they thought, man, I got to get across before the river starts coming down. But that would be more of a fear thing than a faith thing. The word actually means here that they were anxious to obey. When it says they went across with haste. It was almost like, wow, this is so cool. God has stopped this river and we are going across millions of us on dry ground. I mean, can you imagine even having this? This was certainly a great miracle. Can you imagine a generation that came out of Egypt? When they crossed through the Red Sea, I, I, I can't even imagine. what. I mean, you know, was it like Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments? I don't know, you know. What, you know, was the ocean like, you know, they could see. The, I don't know what it was like, but I, I know this. It, it would have been something, wow, to, to, we're walking through an ocean. And again, when God takes us through our oceans on dry ground, when God takes us across our Jordans on dry ground, it's so that we can stand in awe of God and recognize who He he really is and, and remember who He really is so that the next time we come to a Jordan or the next time we come to a Jericho or the next time we're backed up to a Red Sea, we have the faith to be able to trust in this God to get us even through Whatever it is, it comes our way. See, God was preparing His people every step of the way. Everything in their journey, even up to this point, was preparation, just like in our lives. Because God is preparing all of us for what He wants us to experience as we ascend and go further with Him. So I love this. Verse 12. Verse um, Reubenites, Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed for battle, ahead of the Israelites, just as Moses had instructed them, about 40,000 battle-ready troops. It meant that they were armed and they were equipped for battle. You see, going into the promised land, if you will, experiencing more of God doesn't mean there's not going to be any conflicts. There's not going to be any more fights. There's not going to be any battles. That's why people who interpret the book of Joshua and the promised land as equated to heaven, I think, miss it. Because when we get to heaven, there are no more battles. There are no more wars. There are no more fights. But the promised land isn't a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. It's a picture of us going further with God than we've ever been before. And when, when you and I want to press forward spiritually, there's going to be fights. There's going to be obstacles. As we talked about Sunday, the world's going to oppose us. Our own flesh is going to oppose us. And we know our spiritual enemy, the devil's going to oppose us. So there's going to be fights all the time in order to go further spiritually. And that's exactly what we see here. Are you and I equipped for battle? And one of the charges to pastors in the New Testament, Ephesians 4.12, is that our primary job as pastors is to equip the saints... I'm conscious of that every time I speak. Every time I interact, I'm hoping that my ministry is a ministry where I'm equipping you. I'm giving you the information and and the understanding and the encouragement and and whatever it is that may equip you for your journey further with God. That's my primary calling as a pastor. And these folks were equipped. They were battle-ready. And so they marched past the Lord to fight on the plains of Jericho. And that day the Lord brought honor to Joshua before all Israel. They respected him all his life just as they respected Moses. By the way, the words brought honor, very interesting, mean grow in order to do great things. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He wants to grow us so that we can do greater things. That's why spiritual growth is so important. You know, when we get the concept of honor, it's like, you know, oh, wow. And and I'm not saying there wasn't that respect and all that for Joshua. But it was more the fact that the people of Israel saw that Joshua was continuing to grow And because of that, Joshua was able to do greater and greater things. And because of that, he inspired the people of God to do greater and greater things. And that's why God wants us to grow, because God wants to then surround us with people who will be inspired and motivated by our spiritual growth so that we can inspire them to grow too and do greater and greater things. Verse 15, the Lord told Joshua, instruct the priest carrying the ark of the covenantal laws to come up from the Jordan to ascend, to rise up. They weren't to stay in the Jordan. They were to come up out of the Jordan because there was more to conquer. There was more to experience. Even though many times it might take weeks or months or years for us to finally cross a Jordan, realize that the only reason God wants us to cross that Jordan is because He's got something even better for us on the other side. And he wants us to rise up. He wants us to ascend and go higher with him. So verse 17, Joshua instructed the priests, come up from the Jordan. And the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the middle of the Jordan. And as soon as they set foot on dry land, the water of the Jordan flowed again and returned to flood stage. There are many liberal Bible scholars and skeptics of the Bible and of God who've questioned the legitimacy of, you know, miracles in the Bible and, and they'll always try to come up with some natural phenomenon to explain it away. It's hard for them to explain this away as some natural phenomenon because how all of a sudden, right after everything and everybody gets out of the Jordan, all of a sudden does the Jordan start flowing again? That's a pretty big Kawinky dink, as we used to say. No, this was all done by the hand of God at exactly the right time. So notice, verse 19 the people went up, or literally rose up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Now, again, God doesn't waste words in the Bible. Then why did God put the exact day that they rose up from the Jordan? Because this date was very significant to the people of Israel. It was exactly 40 years earlier to the day that God instructed Israel to prepare to depart from Egypt by setting apart the Passover lamb. 40 years to the day. And now 40 years later, They are rising up out of the Jordan, finally ready to go in to experience what God has for them. So Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He told the Israelites, when your children someday ask their fathers, what do these stones represent? Explain to your children, Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. I want to stop there for a moment. It's important. The word explain... Means to be so well acquainted with that I can pass it on to somebody else. And this was the responsibility of parents that they were to be so acquainted with God and the workings of God that they could pass it on to their children. But that's not just a responsibility to parents, that's a responsibility of all of us as Christians that we are to become so well acquainted with our God and His Word and how He works, that in a sense we can pass it on to others, to new believers who become Christians, to people who aren't quite as far along in their journey with Christ as we are, that God wants again to grow us so that He can do greater things with us. And part of those greater things is so that we can be a greater blessing to others. God wants you and me to be acquainted with Him so that we can pass that on to others. That's a challenge. That was a challenge to me. I I don't know about you, but I had to stop and pause there at that point. Verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you while you crossed over. And it was just like when the Lord your God dried up the Red Sea before us while we crossed over. Evidence of God's power and faithfulness. So let's wrap it up. Verse 24. He has done this. This is the purpose. He has done this so that all the nations of the earth might recognize the Lord's power. And so you might always obey the Lord your God couple things first of all the word recognize again means to become well acquainted with or also the word could be used to discriminate in other words to discriminate God's power from man's power from what man can do from what God can do it's like as Christians we we hopefully as we learn to walk with God we can discriminate what man can do and what God can do and when we see God working we all can stay back and go That was God. There's no other explanation. That was God. And God wants to do that. He wants us to grow in our recognition, in our discrimination, in our acquaintance with His power. But don't miss this. Not just so we can be in awe and enamored with a God who is strong and powerful, but so that we understand that He gives us that strength and He gives us that power so that, the end of verse, so that we will obey. God always gives us power to obey. Philippians 4.13 Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who empowers me. You see, the reason why God wants all of us to grow and become more and more acquainted with His power is so we'll become more and more obedient. Because at any time God is calling me to something, I have to remind myself... I can't do that. But I know a God who can. And my God can give me the power to do it. As I've said for a lot of years now when I teach, I think the crux or the essence of being a disciple of Jesus Christ isn't obedience, it's dependence. Because I can't be obedient unless I'm depending on the Lord. So, really, what I need to learn to do as a disciple is to learn to depend upon His power, His strength. See, to me, in the flesh, especially, all the commands of God are impossible. Not just what I call the big ones, like love your enemies. Oh, my goodness, how could I love my enemy without God's help? But really, when you think about it, saying no to self every day, we might not think that's a big one, but I don't know about you, but my flesh always wants to go in the opposite way that Christ wants me to go. I'm always fighting the flesh. And I need God's power every day to overcome the flesh. Every day. And the only way I can obey God over my flesh is to depend on God's power to do it. But I've got to keep reminding myself, God has the power to to do it. I don't, but like Paul said, I can do it through the strength that God gives me. And that's why God did this. That's why he did the miracle of the Jordan River. That's why he's going to let the walls of Jericho fall flat. That's why he allowed the crossing of the Red Sea. So that they would see the power of God, yes, but not as an end to itself, but as a means to an end. So that they would see that this God is so powerful that anything he asks of me, anything he calls me to, anything he desires of me, anything that is his will in my life, he will give me the power and the strength and the grace to be able to do. What a God. What a God. I I don't have to do this thing on my own. I don't have to do this at all in my own strength. I do it as I learn to lean and depend upon the Lord who is all-powerful. One more thing. The word always is important. Always obey the Lord your God. The words in the Hebrew literally mean the totality or the whole. In other words, God isn't looking for partial obedience. He's looking for total obedience. He's not going to be satisfied if Jeff Roy says, Well, God, I was 75% obedient to that. God would say to Jeff, well, Why weren't you 100% obedient to that? Because I can give you the power to be 100% obedient to that. So as we wrap up chapter 4, before we go into chapter 5 then next week, here's sort of an assignment. I usually don't give homework. And this isn't going to be the kind of homework you're used to. But what I'd like us to do this next week, before we come back next Tuesday night, is this. Ask God in your life to help you see His power. So that you and I can be more obedient and realize that this God who has all this power, all this strength, gives it to us so that we can be obedient servants, obedient sheep, and follow Him. Follow Him to a greater and higher life. As we ascend up the mountains behind Jericho. As we cross that Jordan River. As we overcome the obstacles and the opposition and everything that is set out in front of us to keep us from experiencing what God has for us. Remember, God will never call you to anything that he will not equip you and give you and I the power to accomplish. This is our God. This is the message of Joshua 4. Remember our God. He wants us to ascend. Remember our God. Remember His power so we can obey Him today. Let's pray. God, thank You. Thank You for taking this group of people across that Jordan River. Thank you for working with them in such a way that even thousands of years later, Lord, that event can inspire us today. Because, God, every one of us in this room has Jordan rivers that we've eventually got across. We've got Jerichos in our way. We've got a mountain to ascend in order to truly experience the abundant life That you, Christ, have come to give to us. And the only way that we're going to experience that life is to trust and believe. And part of that trust and belief is to believe in a God who has power to be able to help me get across the Jordans and conquer the Jericho's in my life and help me to ascend up the mountains in my life to experience you at greater and greater levels. And the cool thing is, God, you've also reminded us you don't just do this for our sakes. You grow us so that we can do greater things, so that we can be a greater blessing and greater encouragement, and and that we can be so acquainted with you in such a personal, intimate way that we can pass that on to others. It's never about just us. It's about your glory, and it's about others. So God, may each of us tonight make a commitment that for the next seven days, help us to see, perceive, have insight and discernment into your power so that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you for being here. Hope to see many of you on Sunday. Have a great week.